Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Welcome again to Gateway this morning as we uh, begin new series and uh, in school and, and so much more. And we just, it's our hope and prayer that God will use this time to really encourage you and, and teach you and show you some things. We have uh, some notes in the bulletin if you want to use that to follow along uh, or to take notes or whatever is helpful to you. As we begin this morning, I want to just, I want to just give you some quotes. And I want you to tell me, call out the movie or the series that it comes from, okay? I don't think this will be too hard. If you build it, they will come. Field of dreams, there you go. Luke, I'm your father. <laughs> Star Wars, which one? Five or two? The Empire Strikes Back, that's right. Beam me up, Scotty. All right, very good. That's great, except not one of those actually occurs in those movies or series. Not one of those statements. Field of dreams. Instead of, if you build it, they will come, the actual statement is, if you build it, he will come. Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back. It doesn't say Luke. Darth Vader doesn't say Luke. I'm your father. I always want to try that anyway. The actual, the actual expression of the movie is, no, I am your father. And Star Trek, Beam Me Up, Scotty, is found in none of the movies and not one of the series. We say it, and, and in fact, it's been used in lots of places. The closest to it occurs in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, where he says, Scotty, beam me up. But nowhere does beam me up Scotty appear. Now, I, I keep thinking they're making these new series. They, they need to throw that in there somewhere, you know, just to make it, make it real. Because that's what we all say, right? Beam me up, Scotty. Well, maybe you... Anyway. Uh, you know, myths, myths have built up around lots of quotes. I could, I, there's so many more I could give you. Quotes that we think are in the movies, things that we think really happen. And, and it's kind of funny, and, and, and it's easy to see how we can begin to distort what's really there. The same is true with certain quotes and sayings from the Bible, except that sometimes when we get those wrong, it's not just cute, it's not just funny. There are, in fact, consequences when we get the Bible wrong, when we say something that God has not really said because after all, if we have trusted one of those myths, one of those sayings, and it has not come to pass as if it is a myth, it will not, then it is very possible that it will push people away from God, or at the very least, perhaps leave us feeling guilty. I can guarantee you there are folks right here in the Bay Area, maybe even someone you know, who refuses to, to trust in Christ, who, who refuses to come to a church any church, because somewhere along the line in life, they heard one of these myths, they bought into it, and, and they, they began to depend on it and trust it, and when it did not happen, when the myth failed them, as they always will, 
They turned around and left the church, and maybe even the faith. I mean, that may even be some of your stories. Or if they didn't leave, maybe they're carrying around a load of guilt that somehow I must not have been faithful enough. I must not have prayed enough. I must not have believed enough. Or God would have made it come true. And so I must not measure up as much of a follower of Jesus. I want to tell you, that's sad. But the truth is, it's important because there are eternities at stake. And so we want to take the next few weeks to bust some of those myths. And you may actually be surprised at what's actually not in the Bible. So, diving in. Many Christ followers use teachings and quotes from the Bible. We do that to help us, to remind us. It's one of the values of reading Scripture, of memorizing Scripture, that you can call it to mind in difficult challenges to to hear what God truly wants to say to you. And uh, there's a quote I have heard, and in fact, I've repeated a saying that it's been attributed to Mother Teresa that says, I know God won't give me anything I can't handle, but I wish he didn't trust me so much. And I love that. I love that saying. Now, I I will tell you, in looking it up, and I went through several pages of Google, didn't go through every page of Google, but several pages of Google, I can't confirm that she really said that, but the crux of it is the sense that it is a quote from the Bible that God doesn't give us more than we can handle. God doesn't give you more than you can handle. I, I, I bet a lot of us have said that, and a lot of us have claimed it. And I know it is intended to give us hope when we're in the midst of suffering because God knows us so well that he would prevent us from having to endure more trouble, more problems, more hurts, more suffering than we can handle. I mean, I can really relate to the quote attributed to Mother Teresa because sometimes it really does feel to me like I am dealing with more than I can handle. I don't know about you. In fact, there have been times when I really feel like I can't handle this. It's too much. God, take it away. And, and, and the question and the issue is, am I a bad Christian? A- am I an unfaithful Christian? If I ever feel overwhelmed, if, if I feel like it's beyond what I can handle, because I felt that way, I mean, and, and I have. And I know many of you have too. A few times in my past, I've I've struggled with depression. And I want to tell you, there were times when I felt like I was in such a deep, dark hole. And I didn't know how I was going to get through it. King David, whom the Bible describes as a man after God's own heart, who, who was the greatest king in the history of Israel, who expanded the borders and conquered all of his enemies, experience being overwhelmed. He wrote in Psalm 38, my guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to bear. The Apostle Paul, who wrote at least a third of the New Testament, who has given us so many great teachings, experienced overwhelming circumstances. In 2 Corinthians, the first chapter, he writes, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. We thought we would never live through it. In fact, 
We expect it to die. Even Jesus, on the night in, in which he was betrayed, before his crucifixion, felt overwhelming distress. Matthew 26 tells us Jesus took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus said that. And so to me, it is clear from the Bible that there were times when men and women of faith, men and women we look up to, men and women that we aspire to live like and follow their teachings felt completely overwhelmed. In fact, so overwhelmed that they didn't feel like they could handle it anymore. So were they bad believers? Were they, did they just lack faith? Were they just insecure in all of that for being overwhelmed, for feeling that way? At the same time, when you look at the statement, God will never give you more than you can handle, it states God will never give you. God is the actor. God is the one that quote says that's doing the giving. Does that mean that God is the one who is putting us in those overwhelming circumstances and sometimes those devastating circumstances? Is he the one who caused the death of a loved one or given us a debilitating disease that creates a lot of pain or caused a relationship rift that is overwhelming or, or created a situation that has left us flat broke is that the kind of God we proclaim is that the kind of God we serve if God will never give you more than you can handle it sure sounds that way and some folks have left the church and, and the faith because they have experienced a God then based on that, who seems to them to be harsh, to be cruel, even arbitrarily vindictive. So maybe we've, we've said that, that God will never give us more than we can handle, and, we, and we've probably heard it. The problem is, that expression isn't in the Bible. That's another one of those sayings, those quotes, those phrases that we maybe many of us have become so used to, and yet it's not there. The, the, the mythical saying appears to be a misquote from 1 Corinthians 10, 13, which says, God will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And notice the scripture is talking about temptation, not suffering, not hardships. In fact, the context that Paul is writing this in is a warning about giving into temptations to sin in our lives. And he is looking back in the previous verses, he's been looking back at the Hebrews as they followed Moses in the wilderness hundreds of years earlier and how they gave in to temptations that weren't pleasing to God, such as worshiping a golden calf while Moses is up on Mount Sinai receiving 
the Ten Commandments, he's up there for 40 days. Paul writes a few verses earlier in verse 6, he says, These things happen as a warning to us, so that we wouldn't crave evil things as they did, or, or worship idols as some of them did. As scriptures say, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry. And then Paul goes on, in fact, to list some more examples from the Hebrews' time in the wilderness as, as they were attempted to abandon God for sex, for, for false gods, for not getting their own way. And, and there were consequences for those sins, which, which brings Paul then to the point that he wants to make to his, his readers and to us. He writes in verse 11, these things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. In other words, you and I are reading this today. We're hearing this because God wanted Paul to share this with us. He wanted us to hear this. He wanted us to get this. He wrote it. Moses wrote this in Exodus and Numbers, not simply for that time in that place, but knowing that you and I would be going through circumstances and situations that are tempting to warn us of the dangers of sin that are always around us. He goes on in verse 12, if you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. In other words, we can't think of ourselves so strong, so tough, that we're not going to experience temptations. And yet, there's hope, as we see in the verse that has so often been misquoted, verse 13, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. In other words, they're there all around us. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Now Paul is talking specifically here about the temptation to sin. Again, he is not talking about suffering, nor is he talking about hard times. But in the midst of those many temptations that we all endure, that we all experience every day, Paul says he, God, will not allow those temptations to be more than we can handle. How? By showing us a way to avoid giving in. Even, even if we have to endure hardships in the process, in the act of avoiding the sin. Because if a friend is tempting you to cheat on a test here in a couple of weeks, or your boss or a client or even yourself is feeling pressure to do something that lacks integrity, or you experience a desire that could endanger a relationship or, or, or even your marriage, then you may feel peer pressure. You may experience adversity. You may undergo hardships that you will have to endure if you are to avoid sinning in that situation. And yet the promise Paul gives us is that God will show a way out if we're seeking to trust him, if we're trying to follow him. God is the one who helps us through the trials. And notice again, there is... There, is nothing here that promises you or me that we won't face adversity, that there won't be hard times. There's some that would preach to you if you, know, you, you, you name it and you claim it, if you have enough faith that those things will go away. But the truth of the matter is, if we have lived any length of time, most of us have discovered 
there's still a lot of stuff we have to put up with. A lot of things happen in life. A lot of things that we don't like. And in following Christ, the truth of the matter is, for a lot of these reasons I've already mentioned, you and I are even more likely to face adversity and hard times and suffering. Now, is that a fun thing to say? Is that, is that what we want to hear? I, no. But here's the thing. Do you want it sugar-coated? Do you want it given to you something that will make you feel good for a little while but ultimately is going to fail you? Or do you want the truth? The truth that you can stand strong in. The truth that will see you through. The reality is you and I will find ourselves in situations that are more than we can handle. That are overwhelming. In fact, that's what the Bible says. King David said it. The Apostle Paul said it. Jesus himself said it. And if you beat yourself up and, and you feel guilty about being overwhelmed and like, I don't have enough faith and, and I must not be a good Christian and, and I, I'm doing something wrong for experiencing that or, or that you or someone you know is, has pushed God away because of those thoughts or feelings you need to hear this morning that that is bad information. That is false information. That is not biblical. And that's always our standard. You have experienced the power that the enemy can wield through a myth. And that's what it is. A myth. And, and, and full disclosure, I will confess. I have quoted, I have said that myself. I have set it up here. I have quoted Mother Teresa or the quote attributed to her before you before to try to encourage. And I apologize. I did not look close enough. I did not dig in enough. The Bible says God will provide us a way out of the temptation. But it doesn't say in the way out that we may not experience struggle, perhaps even more struggle than we can handle. So if God may allow us to experience more than we can handle, if we do at times feel overwhelmed, what hope is there? <laughs> I mean, what do we hold on to? How do we keep going? Well, first, I think we gotta remember that God promises us, and he does promise this, that he is with us, and he wants to help us. Isaiah 41.10, don't be afraid, for I, God says, I am with you. I mean, have you ever been in a situation and you wanted someone bigger than you to be there in the midst of it? Someone who knows the way, who's been there, done that? Well, when, when, when God wrote that to us, he's saying, I've not only been there, I created all that there is. I understand intuitively, inherently, all that's going on, and I am there with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. As many Christians before discovered, there, there may be times when it feels like we are alone. It feels like no one cares. It feels like no one is there with us. Guys, that again is another lie straight from the pits of hell. You are not alone in whatever you're going through. You may feel that way, and there may be people who make help you feel that way. Your own mind may betray you to feel that way. That's why we have to understand that Christianity is not about what we feel. It is about making choices about how we live. 
day in, day out. And the truth is that God loves you and is with you and wants to help you if you will let him. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus says, I will help you carry the load. He says, I will come alongside you and do the heavy lifting, because he says, it's my yoke that he wants us to get up under, not his it's not our yoke that we're trying to see if he will fit in, but it is his yoke that he says, I'm already carrying the load. If you'll just come up under with me, we'll get through this. And the result of letting him help is rest for our souls, even as we struggle, even as we hurt. But that's if we come to him. Which leads us to the second thing I think we can hold on to this morning, and that is overwhelming trials and suffering drive us to rely on God versus me, versus a friend, versus someone else. I mean, earlier I read that passage in which Paul was talking about being overwhelmed in 2 Corinthians, but I didn't read the the full thing. There's more to it, and I want to read to you now the whole passage, beginning in verse 8, chapter 1. He says, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and, and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learn to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. The trials and suffering that that pushed Paul and his companions to stop trying to handle their own troubles on their own and instead rely on God are the same things that we experience in the face of death. Notice that Paul says, God is the one who raises the dead. (laughs) Truth is, we can't be raised unless there's death. Now, it may be the death of a dream that we've held on to for way too long that's unrealistic. It may be death to some of our plans, the way we think it ought to work out, how we want to go forward. But it has to be, above all, death to our own self-reliance and our own self-centeredness that it's somehow all about me, that life revolves around me. And if it's not working for me right this moment, then it's not working at all. Sin is addictive and, 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 and overwhelming and, and it is beyond our control. And we think so often that we can wink at it and we can hold it close and, and that we, we can play with it kind of and not get caught and not get burned. But like any person who goes through a 12-step program, the truth is the first thing we have to admit is that we are powerless on our own to overcome what is facing us. That I do not have it in me to get past this addiction, to get past this brokenness, to get past this 
struggle or hurt or disease or whatever it may be that I am fighting. But Peter wrote, Christ personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Which brings us to the third thing that you and I can hold on to. And and that is, believe it or not, God may allow trials and suffering as a test to help us rely on him, to help us, in fact, grow. Now notice I'm not saying he is the cause of these things, though that is certainly the implication of our myth, that God doesn't, God doesn't give you or me more than we can handle. Instead, God may allow us to go through trials, to go through suffering, because sometimes it's the only way to get our attention. Sometimes we got to hit the bottom, don't we? Sometimes we got to try everything else and everyone else. We got to do everything that we can that we can, and when none of it works, when it keeps coming up short, when we're tired and frustrated, maybe then, finally, we surrender and we turn to him and we say, God, help me. But even if he is our last choice, the good news is, guys, he still responds because he loves you. He loves me. He, 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 loves, he loves the folks that are outside our doors. He loves the folks who, would, who say they would never come through the doors of any church. He loves them. It says in Romans 5, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. Because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Now understand, this passage was written to followers of Jesus Christ. So if that is not a decision you've made, it probably doesn't make sense to you. And you gotta know that. The promise isn't that, it's for, that everybody can just simply have it. It's the promise for those who come to him, who trust him. And it says that therefore we can rejoice. Now, understand, joy is not a feeling. It's a choice in the midst of our circumstances. That Paul, writing from prison, could say rejoice. Again, I will say rejoice. Why? Not because, oh man, I love prison. I was in prison yesterday up at the Ellis unit. You know what? There are a lot of men up there who would love to get out. I didn't hear a single one of them say, I love prison. And yet Paul, writing from prison, could say rejoice. Why? Because he didn't feel it, but he believed it. He chose to trust that, to move forward in that. And that's not easy. In fact, It's impossible to do it consistently because our feelings get so wound up. 
And stuff happens, and people hurt us, and situations occur that we lose control. But, but the promise is that God is with us, that we are not alone, and he is working in our lives if we love in him, trust him. So that Paul can write, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, the good here doesn't necessarily mean better than what was, though it could but it means that, that when we trust him, when we seek him, he is working in us and through our lives and amazingly through our lives to others to bring us to the fourth thing that you and I can hold on to. And that is that God encourages us to be in a community of faith where he can use us to help each other. The good news is that not only is God with us, but, but his intention is that his presence with us is undergirded and even revealed as we walk the journey with those around us, with others who are on the journey with us. Galatians, Paul writes, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, this, is, this, is, this is significant. This is not just a little deal. And I want to tell you, I've watched more people than I care to count go through hard times. I've seen many of you go through hard times. I've seen a lot of people outside of our church go through hard times. And what I have consistently observed is that those who go through it with the community of faith, with a, a church family, with those who believe, find more strength and more encouragement from God than those who don't. I cannot tell you how many times some of you have said to me when you're going through tough circumstances, even overwhelming circumstances. You've said, Randy, I don't know how folks who don't have Christ in their lives and don't have a church family could ever get through this. That's right. Some of you have said that. And I want to tell you, that is a really bad place to find yourself if you don't have that. And it's not God's intention for any of us. It's why he created the church. It's not a human institution. Good grief. If it was a human institution, we had destroyed it centuries ago. The fact that we're still around, in spite of all of our screw-ups, ought to tell us something. God is in the midst of this, guys. We don't do this. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we're weighed down with troubles, it's for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. As I was reading through the scriptures this week, there was one word that kept jumping out at me, and it was that word endure over and over again in the scriptures because it is not about sugarcoating the truth. It's not about wishing. There is nothing pretty about enduring. Okay? If you're enduring something, it's, it's, it's sometimes, it's ugly. It's hard. It's nasty. But if you endure, it means you get through it. And yet when we're overwhelmed, even, even getting through it 
doesn't seem possible, but God is the God of the impossible, and with him, we are more than conquerors. But not only does he help us get through it, he gives us purpose as we go through it because he can use what we've experienced to encourage others, to comfort others. That's why we have a prayer team that is always down here after every service to pray with you. And we, we encourage you to make prayer requests in that, that card in the bulletin that you can turn in to us even this morning or, or contact us throughout the week. And we have a team of people that they love to pray for you and what's going on in your lives. That's why we, we point you to things like journey groups, which we'll be kicking off again in a couple of weeks announcing, or life groups, or, or ministry team groups that serve alongside each other, where you and I can make connections with one another so that we know each other to be there for each other in difficult times. God uses the community of faith to help us and to help us help others on the journey. Tracy Faree in our church and is one of a number of, of you who's battling cancer right now. She's been on our prayer list for, for months. But what has been amazing to me is she has been praying for and asking us to pray for another cancer patient who hasn't yet chosen to put his faith in Jesus Christ, at least not yet. And we are praying for her and for him. And I, I, I don't think there's any question that we could say, oh, Tracy is glad about what's happening. It, it, I'm sure she is not. But she knows that God can use her right now to be a witness to this man in ways that could otherwise never happen. She said to me in a text on Friday, I am amazed every day at the things God does for me. I want to shout it from the mountaintops. This entire ridiculous miracle journey is about glorifying him. Now, is Tracy overwhelmed at times? I'd imagine she is. It's, it's, it's hard. And I don't even pretend to know that I know what someone battling cancer is going through. But I know it is not a pleasant journey. The cancer itself is bad, but even the treatment is almost as bad. Sometimes feels worse. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. So I'm not, I don't want to be up here and just throw out stuff because it sounds good. I, I don't think, I think she's had some horrible days. And it's humbling to ask for prayer. But when we can set aside our pride, when we realize that we really can't handle everything that's going on, it's then that we really give God a chance to work in us, through us. And not just work, but be seen. Because when we do something on our own, we get the credit. I mean, if I do something and you can, you can say, well, look what he did. I may even think God helped me, but you may think I did it. 
But let me tell you, when I do something that blows you away, when, when I do something that you're looking at me and you're saying, I know that dude couldn't do that. I mean, ain't no way. He, he, he ain't that smart. He ain't that good. When that happens, what do you do? You start looking for who or what is behind me. And it is my hope and prayer that it's in those moments that instead of seeing me, you see God. That you see Jesus Christ at work. That when, when our worship team is up here or when people are praying, that, that you see more than just us, but you see God working, God doing it so that God gets the credit, God gets the glory. And when that happens and people can't explain it any other way, then that's, that's what draws people to God. We're just the conduits, and, and we're pretty imperfect ones at that. But God is gracious, God is perfect, God is good. God loves perfectly each one of us. And none of us will do that as well as he. And so it's never about us, but always about pointing to him in the midst of whatever it is. So the truth is, saying God doesn't give you more than you can handle, it's a myth that needs busting. Because sometimes we, we really are overwhelmed but we're not alone. Jesus says he will help us. For those of us who put our faith and trust in him, he will help us carry the load. And God can work in and through our circumstances to help others, to bring others to himself, to, to the one who is the one true source of hope and comfort for all. One of the folks with grief share, and they're out there, said to me after the last service, said one of the things we, we tell folks is that, that God may give us more than we can handle, but he'll never allow more than he can handle. And again, I think that's the thing we got to recognize, that God can see us through. Listen to this, this passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that Paul wrote. We now have this light shining in our hearts, for those of us who are followers of Jesus. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars, I mean, that's very breakable, containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We're pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We're perplexed, yeah, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come this morning and I, I hope more and more of us can confess to you the truth that we, there are things that we just can't handle. It may be something outward and obvious like an addiction, but it just may be some fears in our lives or some relationships that are, we're struggling or some things that we just can't get to work. Father, we, we may have 
been fooled sometimes to think that we ought to be able to handle those things, that, that we ought to be strong enough, that, that if we're a, a good quote-unquote Christian, we ought to be able to manage. But you never told us that. In fact, you told us there are times we won't manage, times we can't make it work, times we don't know what we're going to do, times when we are overwhelmed. Father, in those moments, may we trust you even more. And we know you're with us, you love us, you will never forsake us, that you will come alongside us, you will help us carry the burden, that you will help us endure no matter what comes so that we can be more than conquerors. We thank you, Father, that we are not alone. Help us to see the truth. Help us to be the truth for those who maybe have been misled around us, who maybe have been embittered, who've been hurt. And use us for your glory so that you will get all the credit. We praise you, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.